0: Welcome to the New England Take on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. Be sure to check out New England Take on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as your favorite podcast platform. I uh, have Dan Feltes on the show this week, formerly of uh, Feltes and Kale here on WKXL, now uh, fleeing, <laughs> fleeing New Hampshire to go to Iowa. Um, it, Dan, is it because you're running for president and you wanted to start the Iowa caucus?
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, no, I, I um, you know, I grew up in Iowa. Uh, Aaron grew up in Iowa, my wife, um, you know, both of our extended families here. And, you know, and uh, our girls, Iris and Josie are really young. They're three, age three and four. And Aaron got an amazing opportunity with the University of Iowa. So uh, awesome. really just kind of all makes sense. And, and uh, really grateful for my time in New Hampshire. And uh, we love it in New Hampshire always will. And uh, we've joked that, uh, uh, you know, Aaron and I actually met in New Hampshire, uh, fell in love in New Hampshire, um, built our family uh, in New Hampshire. And we joked that uh, all our vacations were in Iowa and now uh, all our vacations will be, you know, in New Hampshire. Um, but uh, <laughs> really grateful for, um everybody's support and uh, the opportunities provided to us uh, throughout the years here in New Hampshire and the progress that we made uh, a lot of progress um lasting progress really helping folks and uh grateful for all that and uh yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on AJ thank you for all that you're doing and uh, appreciate all that
0: yeah, and you definitely left a mark on the New Hampshire political landscape and the legal landscape for sure. Like Everyone knows Dan is Like you were saying before we started recording that you got 15 million goodbye dinners and lunches before you finally officially are set sail across <laughs> to the Midwest. Um, I mean, what really uh, for, Let's start with the legal, legal side of things. You were in the New Hampshire um, legal assistance uh, office for a long time. I mean what makes you i mean what led you to enter working in with new hampshire legal assistance and what were some of your key takeaways from working there for more than seven years
1: well um first and foremost um you know i viewed the law and the practice of law as a way to help out ordinary folks um and that's why i did it um in fact i got interested in legal aid work uh between my first and second year of law school um when i did legal services in downtown detroit um as a summer internship um and uh aj i I gotta tell you my first year of law school i didn't wasn't super excited about law school and i didn't (laughs) you know i wasn't uh um, anybody who's gone to law school will tell you the first year is, is, is pretty tough. And there's definitely, uh, Oh God moments. What am I doing? <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I, and, but for that, that experience doing legal services, um, and helping people who needed it most, um, uh, I think, uh, there's a chance that I, I, wouldn't have come back for that second year, to be honest with you. And so, um, And then I continued in in law school at at the University of Iowa and um, organized a service trip my third year of law school to New Orleans to help uh, folks in in New Orleans post Hurricane Katrina, Uh, we organized organized a service trip of 45 law students went down there half of us rebuild homes. The other half of us did legal services work, help people on the ground, including with FEMA paperwork and other kind of services and housing. And, um, you know, my love for all that, you know, uh, continued moving forward and, and uh, uh, you know, moved to New Hampshire and, um, you know, got a great opportunity with New Hampshire legal as, uh, assistance. And, you know, for, for the better part of a decade, uh, you know, uh, eight years, we, Uh, did a lot of great work. And uh, the folks there are wonderful, uh, New Hampshire legal Assistance, and everything from housing to unemployment to, um, uh, to you name it, helping low to middle income people and families get by and uh, who are struggling. And in particular, it was challenging um, during the time of um, the Great Recession. Right. Yeah, you're Um, right in the middle of that yeah and managing the the all the housing work so the 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 budget for all the housing work statewide housing work managing the litigation and working uh dealing with the foreclosure crisis which hit new hampshire just as much as it hit every other state and so, so ordinary granite staters were you know at threat of losing their homes to big wall street banks and engaging in as best as we can the effort to protect granite State homes against big wall street banks and Making sure that we protect our, uh, communities in New Hampshire, and um, so doing that work uh, was both challenging and rewarding. Um, and you know, I can say this unequivocally um, for anyone who's listening to uh, to this: is that public service takes many different forms. Um, public service doesn't necessarily mean you have to run for a public office, right? Um, public service is. Legal aid work, public service is teaching. Public service, there's so many of us that, uh, so many folks who are listening who are providing public service. Um, You know, shining a light on important issues and doing important dialogue uh, on your show and others, that's a public service. You know, uh, uh, activism, being involved in your community, um, uh, you know, raising your voice, getting involved in democracy is public service. So um you know there's a continuum of of public service but to me it's always been about trying to make a positive impact uh, particularly for people who are often left down left behind that's what it's always been about uh for me and for aaron and so um you know i'm grateful for having had the opportunity to work at new hampshire legal assistance and um you know that work is really seen up close um, what kind of impact you can make is part of the reason why in 2014 when there was a open state senate seat yeah uh kind of at the uh, the last minute um you know i thought look hey um i've seen uh what transpires at the state house and that you know in many cases the laws weren't written with ordinary folks in mind and um, and uh, I know that there could be the prospect of making an even broader positive impact, and and that's why, on very short notice, um, against long odds in 2014, <laughs> uh, Aaron and I decided to just you know, to jump in and, and run for state senate, and and uh, fortunate to have uh, to have won that race.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's something very important for people to keep in mind, especially if you. Uh, work with legal assistance at all, if you're a client of legal assistance. Um, the, the attorneys there do their very best on very minimal funding usually. The public defender's in a very similar situation, and it must have, I, I don't know if empowering necessarily would be feel the way of when you finally get into uh, the uh, state state, uh, state house to see what the process necessarily is, but it must have been uh, satisfying to at least consider that you could maybe make a change with some of the things you experienced working in legal assistance
1: yeah absolutely and I mean, certainly we you know uh worked in <clears throat> in the state center on a whole host of issues that affect ordinary people and may you know pass landmark legislation combating childhood lead poisoning uh doing uh, annulment and bail reform you know criminal justice reform signed by uh governor sununu um, a lot of this stuff you know 111 bills i worked on were signed by governor sununu and ultimately ran against each other but um certainly got a lot done uh during the, that time frame and, and you know prior to to him serving it was it was governor Hassan and um worked with her and and uh worked with senator jeb bradley in the state senate and senator bradley and i worked together on so many issues including child protection children's mental health um, divestiture, uh, energy, clean energy, doing community solar, doing community aggregation, community choice power so local communities can harness their own energy future. Um, A whole host of issues working together, prescription drug relief, insulin price cap, re-importing drugs from Canada, uh, you name it. Um, And a lot of it, it was with ordinary folks in mind, seeing, using the experiences, not just with the law and state government, um but using those experiences and those stories um and and you know transcending that from from story into action into the public policy sense now like i said um made made a significant impact serving in the state senate three terms serving as majority leader one of those terms and but also you know serving as a legal aid lawyer um you know working with then then state senator uh, Maggie Hassan to extend unemployment insurance to part-time workers. It used to be in New Hampshire that uh, if you work part-time and you're laid off, otherwise eligible for unemployment insurance, you didn't get it. Um, and then that reform took place, and it's a reform that affects low-wage workers, disproportionately women, and uh, it was a lifeline for the market basket labor dispute, market basket workers. So those those are examples of the, of tangible impact. Now, I gotta I, I gotta say again, this is um, I think generally speaking um, uh, some folks I mean politics these days is just so cantankerous you know it's, yeah. and I think COVID has really put you know put a pin on that you know put, put people in their bunkers and you know the fight flight or freeze instinct is is heightened under COVID and people are, you know they're going to the internet for affirmation not information they're you know they're speaking past each other and but there is still an opportunity, both in terms of law and public policy and just engaging as a citizen, to make an impact. And it's not about, uh, to me, although it is to some, um, I think more so these days in the past, it's not about title. Um, it's not about, you know, yeah, when I was at first debate, AJ in 2014, there was a question in made at New England College. You know, big shoes to fill outgoing state senator. What what motivates you? Um, You know, and I said, I'm not running to be a state senator. Right. I'm running to be in the state Senate as a vehicle to make change to help ordinary people. Um, and, and that's and very that,
0: important. And I and if I can interrupt there, I think something that really stood out to me in what you just said is the focus on. Um, the individual people a little more and the community focus. And that is definitely something we're seeing uh, drift off into the ether of the political landscape of 2021 going into 2022. It's not looking any better. I mean, how were you able to strike that balance between the, the need of the community versus the, like, you're a Democrat. There's a, an overall policy that the the nationwide party is trying to get to happen at the state level. And how do you work around that?
1: Well, look, I I firmly believe um that no one person or one political party has a monopoly over good ideas. Um and if you get into the public policy making context either as an advocate which i wasn't legal assistance Mm -hmm. or serving um which i did in the state senate um or as a citizen recognizing that first and foremost you got to keep your eye on problem solving um and in many cases it's creative problem solving in order to get things done in order to make lasting change and so the extent that folks who are listening will think about that. Um, think about it in the context, not just of elections. Um, think about it in the context of practically moving things forward. Um, and it's so easy. Um, I've said it before, well, I'll say it now. It's so easy to sink back into like an uncompromising ideology. The hard work of government, the hard work of government is uncomfortable compromise, not the comfort of an uncompromising ideology. That's Mm. easy. Say no all the time because it doesn't fit, you know, whatever ideology it may be is that's easy. Um, Sitting down rolling up your sleeves and, you know, really thinking long and hard about creative solutions that's more difficult and that's the kind of conversations that uh we were for- i was fortunate enough to be a part of in the state senate and the state senate i think for you know a good chunk of that period where i had the honor to serve really led on policy well it's child protection medicaid expansion health care energy criminal justice reform you name it and um i was so grateful to be a part of it but um I think what we need to do, and it's not, it's not simply, you know, New Hampshire, it's just all of us, um, is to begin to start if we can focusing on problem solving. Right. Um, And I I would say
0: like the biggest issue that I've seen as someone who's more I, I have this weird mix of it being involved from the it, or being aware of from the policy perspective and the culture war perspective. I, I try I, the po- political side of it really just bothers me and gets under my skin so much. Uh, I really, but I'm very aware of how it works. But it it's it came from the culture side of the single words or the single phrases are the be all end all of what should be your political pol- ideology that you come across with, and it started with the. Um, entirely the the like black lives matter versus MAGA basically are like the a couple of the key ones that you can think of on both sides of the political aisle and it doesn't help get anything done to just say that that's that's not a solution that's not a policy that's just virtue signaling what you believe what party you're for exactly
1: yeah exactly and uh, there's a lot there's 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 so much of that these days um and you know you see it In every context you know what are you pro-mask or anti-mask well yeah i mean and what does that mean um but i think more more generally um you have it in a way that some pretty basic things like the reality of systemic racism let's talk about that for a second Systemic racism exists, including in New Hampshire, including in Iowa, including in the United States. It exists. It does not mean, let me be very clear. It does not mean that everybody operating within a system is racist. It just means the operation has some disproportionate impact uh, on uh, people of color. And going Um, back to what
0: I was saying, systemic racism turned into the, of uh, the MAGA, <laughs> like it turned yeah. into that. It's this ghost that is mythic, that's just mystically controlling all the back end of everything. And that's not what that is supposed to mean. Systemic racism is supposed to mean something in particular. And it makes me, someone who's center right, completely despise the statement as soon as a politician says it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, um, uh, you know, the denial of the existence of systemic racism. Uh, you know, including in New Hampshire, um, is part and parcel to that basic virtue signaling. Yeah. Um, and in politics, there, you know, there's there's not as much, a, uh, to be honest with you, there's not as much of a fidelity to truth. I mean, it's just, it's just not the case right now. And that's unfortunate. I mean, there's some baseline facts. A democracy can work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you agree on baseline facts baseline facts like systemic racism exists like there's not widespread voter fraud um, and Biden won the election um you know like you know like climate change exists um so what solutions you put forward are largely a function of sometimes political party but sometimes individual preference sometimes both um but Uh, you know, the debate over solutions has morphed into a debate over baseline facts and a well-functioning democracy needs everybody to agree on baseline facts, right? Have the debate from that. That's fine. Yeah. But, you know, not agreeing on baseline facts. So I think what I've always tried to do, AJ, um, regardless of whether or not someone agrees with me or disagrees is to, come together on some baseline facts and yeah. what i've also always tried to do is not take things personally um and i can remember on the state senate floor there'd be <laughs> you know on one bill uh you know Jeff bradley would be you know you know kind of beating that crap out of me on the floor and then on the next bill we're arguing together
0: yeah.
1: um you know and so uh you just can't if you're if you're there to make a difference if you're there to make a difference you gotta focus on that and sometimes it's hard you know sometimes um there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff that gets kicked up and in the way um but uh, if you're there for the title if you're there to say you're there uh you will easily be captured by The rhetoric and the the politics and that kind of thing. So um, if you're there to make a difference, if you're there to focus on problems um, and problem solving, you can make a real difference. And like I said, though, it's not just about serving in like a state Senate or the state house. It's about the service that you provide day to day. I mean, the public service again takes many different forms. And I'm also reminded of the words of Justice Lewis Brandeis that the most important political office in democracy is that of private citizens. Dan Felt
0: has joined me this week on the New England Take. Be sure to check out NHShockradio.com to get all the back episodes of the show. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the New England Take and KXL 1450 AM 103.9 FM and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, A.J. Kierstead, joined by Dan Feltes, who is leaving New Hampshire for the greener pastures of Iowa with his family. We wish him the best of luck with that. Um, but before we let you go, I would love to have you talk about uh, or give advice to someone that may be interested in going into state politics. Say they, want, they have an idea they want to make change on. They, they, have, a, a, uh, they have some ideals that they think would be very productive to improve their community. What are those first steps they should be considering?
1: Well, I mean, first and foremost, uh, it's a family decision, you know, and just like Aaron and I made a family decision to uh, move to Iowa where our families are from and we're both grew up in Iowa uh, and we have two young daughters and Aaron got a great job at the University of Iowa. Um, That's that's part of it. Uh, That's a key component of it. And so um, in my view, anyways, it's critical that it's a family decision. It's not easy work. Um, It's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. And um, particularly now, you know, you may you may do everything right, but you still are, you know, receive a lot of negative and sometimes uh, at times threatening um, incoming uh, communication. So um, be aware of that. Um, And having a supportive family. Uh, is just key to that it really is and so um it's got to be a team effort um it's got to be a team effort so that's number one number two is do it for the right reasons um don't you know uh no one uh if you're doing it like i said earlier a number of times you're doing it for the title that's for the wrong reason in my view um if you're doing it to to have people call you senator Felt this. That's the wrong reason. If you're doing it to get concrete things done, uh, for in my view, for ordinary folks, for small businesses, or maybe you have a different agenda, that's fine. But if you if you have a concrete public policy agenda, um, that's that's in my view the right reason to do it. So lift that up, talk about that. Um, but you, you need to you need to first and foremost. Um, make sure it's an okay decision for you personally. Um, and uh, I will say that um, I got some advice when I ran for the first time in 2014, which was that, you know, you're going to enjoy it. Um, regardless of the outcome of the election, you're going to enjoy talking with people and, and hearing their stories and, and being part of that. And uh, so soak it all in and, and listen to people. Cause really if you run and you're elected, you represent everybody. You may have different ideas about how to solve problems. That's fine, but you represent everybody. And Other so people listen, see
0: the change that you would like to see, whether it's whether you're approaching it the way they agree or not. They many people agree that things need to change in their community.
1: Absolutely, and so listen, listen to folks uh, on the ground, and and uh, uh, just do your best um, and work hard. And and again, keep your keep your eye on problem solving. Work hard. Get up every day think about what you can do every day to, to make lives better. And, um, there will be contentious debates and that's fine. That's part of democracy. Just try to keep them, you know, um, uh, above board and, um, and, you know, um, do your best to work with people who you disagree with and that's all you can do. Um, and in at the end of the day, you may pass some legislation and you may not pass others, but, um, at, if you're working hard and you're doing your best, that's all you can do. And if you're doing it for the right reasons, um, that's all you can do. So, uh, I, I think, you know, obviously in New Hampshire, the state house doesn't pay very well, it's a hundred dollars a year, but that's another thing to think about with your family. <laughs> but, um, uh, these are just considerations to think about when you're thinking about whether or not to run for office.
0: Dan Feltes, thank you so much for your work in the state, for your time here at WKXL hosting and co-hosting the many pints in politics with Chris Ryan. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dan.
1: You got it, AJ. Take care.
0: Dan Feltes, off to Iowa. We thank him so much for his service to the state. You're listening to the New England Take on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, Concord, 101.9 FM, Manchester. Be sure to tune in there now and nhtalkradio.com. See you next week.